Welcome to the Howie Silbiger Show on the True Talk Radio Network. Get in on the conversation. Call 1-877-669-1292. And good evening. Happy Hanukkah. My name is Howie Silberger. This is the Howie Silberger Show right here on the True Talk Radio Network. We are live uh, starting a little late tonight, but uh, live nonetheless. You could call in. Number to call, one 669 1292 That's one 669 1292 Tell your friends, tell your family. The Howie Silberger Show is on the air right now. Uh, before we start, let me remind you that, uh, that we now have, um, we've, we've, we've joined the people at Patreon. So now we have uh, Patreon, and we are, we are, um, we are ready to um, to take your donations. We are ready for you to support the Howie Silberger Show. Just go to patreon.com slash Howie's, patreon.com slash Howie's, and uh, support the show. The show is, of course, heard uh, two nights a week at least, on uh, Sunday nights and on Tuesday nights right here on the True Talk Radio Network. Uh, it is live, and you could call in. The number to call, one 1292 that's one eight seven seven six six nine one two nine two. That's the number to call to get in on the conversation. You, of course, if you're watching, uh, if you're watching on Facebook, or on Twitter, or on YouTube, you can always, you can always just uh, put a message into the message box, and uh, I will see those messages pop up, and I will be able to respond to them on the air. I'd prefer to talk to you uh, simply because this is a talk show, and talking to you would. Uh, would probably be a little more, um, a little more fun for the listenership, at least, than uh, than just messaging back and forth. But uh, if you feel that you have to message and you don't want to call in, you could do that too. One eight seven seven six six nine one two nine two is the number. So it is Hanukkah, first night of Hanukkah. I'm happy to be here, and um, I'm going to ask you the question I've asked for the last twenty odd Hanukkahs. I mean, it's been a little more than twenty Hanukkahs. I've asked the same question when I've done the Hanukkah show here on the True Talk Radio Network. And the uh, question I have to ask to you is, who in the world today would you say is a Maccabee? So we all know the story of Hanukkah. The story of Hanukkah was that the Maccabees rose up and they beat the, the oppressor. They beat them. They reclaimed their Jewish land. They rose up when other people were, were, were ready to give in. They, 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 they were ready to just say, all right, forget about it. Uh, we'll let the rulers of the land, the people who have conquered us, we will allow them to rule us. We will bow to their idols. We will, uh, we will, we will we'll just cooperate with them because it's, it's easier to cooperate with them than it is to fight back, Right. We, we, we need an effort. We need, we, need to, we need to be committed to fight back. So it's much easier to just allow them to, uh, to, to oppress us. And so the uh, people who, uh, who were oppressing us, the Assyrians at the time, uh, they, were, they, were, they were very happy with the people who were saying, all right, let them oppress us. Who cares? But there was this one family, the Maccabees, who said, no, no, no. Our religion is important. Our nation is important. And we are not going to sit by and allow an oppressor to rule us. We're not going to sit by and allow oppressor to erase our history. And so they fought back. 
And so the miracle of Hanukkah, the, uh, the miracle that we commemorate on Hanukkah, is not only the victory of the war, because once they, once they beat, the Maccabees won the war. That, that was a miracle. There was no way for them to win the war, and suddenly they won. So that was miraculous. But on top of that miracle, when they went to rededicate the temple on the Temple Mount, they found oil to light the menorah. That was only good for, for one day. See, the oil had to be purified. And there, was, there was a whole ritual the oil had to go through. And they only found one vial of oil that was, should have lasted for just one day. And they said, oh, well, the heck with it. We have oil for one day. Let's put the oil in for one day. We'll worry about tomorrow, tomorrow. But today we have the oil and let's, let's light up the menorah and let's say that we reclaimed our land. And they went and they, they relit the menorah. And the oil miraculously burned for eight days. So eight days was about the period that it took them to purify more oil. And the oil burned for eight days. And thus, the miracle of Hanukkah. But the miracle goes even farther than that. So if you really want to understand what Hanukkah is, it goes even farther than the eight days that the oil burned that should have burned for one day, but it burned for eight days. It goes even farther than that. Because the light of Judaism, which should have been snuffed out at Hanukkah in, in, in the original story, the light of Judaism continued to burn for another 2,000 years, 3,000 years now. And it continues to burn today. So the miracle isn't only the miracle of the menorah burning for so long. It is the miracle of Jews surviving for so long. It's the miracle of Jews still being alive today. Of Jews still being a nation. Maybe not a big nation, but a nation nonetheless. A strong nation. And that is the miracle of Hanukkah. So if you, if you were wondering, why do Jews celebrate this holiday? What is this holiday all about? It has nothing to do with the Catholic holiday that happens around the same time. It has nothing to do with, uh, with, with that. This is a celebration of the survival of good over evil. So people who are trying to oppress and destroy Jews, they're the, the, the Jewish conquering of, of our ancestral homeland, and of the candle burning for so many years. Well, for eight days then, and then for so many years after that. That Jews still exist. We celebrate the existence of Judaism. We celebrate the fact that the Jewish light is still burning. And there are still Jews in the world. And I'm still here talking to you. And, and there are still other people out there, Jews, right around the whole world. And that Jews were not destroyed. So I ask the question every year. And uh, some years I get good answers. Some years I get no answers. So I'll ask the question again this year. I'm going to ask it on this show. And I'll ask it again on, um, on Political Hitman. Who do you consider a Maccabee today? If you had to choose from all the people in the world today, all the people who, who exist, all the people who are, are Jewish activists, all the people who are Israel activists, all the people who, who do something to help the Jewish people, who would you call a Maccabee today? One eight seven seven six six nine one two nine two is the number to call. It's one eight seven seven six six nine one two nine two. 
Uh, you could uh, you could post in the message boards on uh, True Talk Radio. Well, well, if you're watching on True Talk Radio, go to Facebook or uh, or Twitter or YouTube and post on the message boards there. Uh, who would you call a Maccabee today? I I I thought about this for a long time. I had to I had to, I had to really think about this. Who would I consider a Maccabee? And it's a tough question. Uh, and it doesn't have to be a Jewish person. It could be somebody else. It doesn't really have to be um, somebody Jewish. And I, I struggle with this question every year. That's why I ask the question every year, because I struggle with it every year. Who would I consider a Maccabee? Uh, I, I'm thinking about it. I, I still don't have an answer for you. Believe it or not, I'm asking you the question, and I still don't have an answer. But I'm thinking about it, and um, I, will, I will have an answer for you. Uh, by the end of the show, I'll have an answer. But I want to hear what you guys have to say. one 669 1292 That's one 877 669-1292. I'm Howie Silberger. This is the Howie Silberger Show right here on the True Talk Radio Network. so far with the greatest of ease he moved through high societies that grocer's boy from the city streets well he'd long since gone and changed his name it was the only way that he could play the game with neighbors like the richardsons the williams and jones what could he do with a name like cohen but he had one memory, yes, his father he did see, lighting colored candles on the windowsill. Eight days a year he'd light another candle every night, they lingered in his memory still. In December, came home from school, his little girl called Sue. She held a picture of an Xmas tree she drew. All the kids in my class have one, she said, with a tear. And could we have one in our home this year? He didn't know what to do with his little daughter, Sue. Although her desires he wished to fulfill. My dear Sue, listen to me. There's something better than a tree that lingers in my memory still. The menorah in his hand His dear wife said to him Joe, I just don't understand They've worked so hard to get to Where we are today And now what will we do What will the neighbors say Well he lit those candles anyway Yes, there were five that night And from his window to the street Glowed the candlelight They were burning for an hour Maybe a little more when suddenly Mr. Richardson stood there by the door He said, would it be okay if a word to you I say There's something about those candles you must know 
Yes, they bring back memories of my father I still see As he lit those candles many years ago Yes, they bring back memories of my father I still see As he lit those candles many years ago He stepped outside later on that night And boy, was he surprised He couldn't believe what he saw He couldn't believe his eyes From all the houses on their block Glowed candlelight From their windowsills And out into the night Yes, they had one memory Yes, their fathers they did see Lighting colored candles on a windowsill Eight days a year they'd light another candle every night It lingered in their memory still Yes, they had one memory Yes, their fathers they did see Lighting colored candles on the windowsill Eight days a year they'd light another candle every night It lingered in their memory still Yes, they had one memory Yes, their fathers they did see Lighting colored candles on the windowsill Eight days a year they'd light another candle every night It lingered in their memory still Yes, they had one memory yes, they This is the Howie Silbiger Show on the True Talk Radio Network Call 1-877-669-1292. I try to keep things positive on the show. It is Hanukkah time. We're supposed to be happy. I'm going to try to keep things positive, but uh, there's a lot of stuff happening in the world that's not so positive. And stuff that I think it's important that we talk about. Uh, stuff that I think uh, we, we should talk about. So, uh, obviously, um, obviously, I was going to talk about the, the impeachment of Donald Trump, but I, I did a special show for that. Uh, we, did a show, we did a show on the night of the impeachment. If you, can't ca- if you didn't catch it, uh, you could catch it on, um, on the archives. Just take a look at the Howie Silberger Show page on Facebook or on YouTube or... Uh, or anywhere that you can watch this, and uh, the uh, the archive is there. So, um, so that that I um, that I, I I shared with you. I shared you with my views on that uh, then. Uh, what I want to talk about is the fear that some Jews feel when it comes to being visibly Jewish. So we all know what happened at York University. We all know they. Um, the, the anti-Israel group went out there and they, uh, they, they harassed the Israel group and then the Israel group got, got maligned for it. But uh, there are other people in the world who are very scared to be Jewish, very scared to be publicly Jewish, very scared to take a look at, to, to, to show any outward signs of Judaism. I mean, I see it with students at Concordia University who are afraid to wear kippahs on campus. They're afraid to wear yarmulkes on campus. Uh, I see it at McGill University now. People are taking their yarmulkes off. They're afraid to wear their yarmulkes on campus because of things happening at the, on the university campuses. And uh, it's, it's kind of scary. In Salt Lake City, Utah, Vicki Ann Crane won't be putting a menorah in her window for Hanukkah this year. She didn't last year either. It's not because she doesn't celebrate the holiday. It's because she's afraid to do it publicly. Crane is a 29-year-old Jewish mother who lives in San Diego. And she said last year, somebody spray-painted swastikas on her sidewalk in her neighborhood. 
And in April, on the first day of Passover, a gunman attacked the synagogue, the Chabad of Poe, just a few blocks from her workplace. I looked at my window right now and I have neighbors have already decked out with everything Christmas decorations, she said. But if I put a menorah in my window, I'm afraid that someone's going to break my window or hurt me or my wife. In a recent survey of American Jews by the American Jewish Committee, one in four respondents said that they would avoid certain places, events, or situations out of fear for their safety or comfort as a Jew. Nearly a third of the more than 1,200 recipients said that they avoided publicly wearing, carrying, or displaying things that might help people identify them as Jewish. These events are part of a larger trend. The number of anti-Jewish incidents across the United States as a whole rose 57% in 2017. According to an audit by the Anti-Defamation League, the largest single-year increase on record and the second-highest number since the leak started tracking such data in 1979. According to the FBI, from 2016, the last year for which figures are available, 54.4% of victims of anti-religious hate crimes were Jewish. There have been three synagogue attacks in a little over a year, the Poe Synagogue, a synagogue shooting in Hale, Germany, and the Pittsburgh Tree of Life Synagogue shooting in October of 2018, which left 11 dead. It was the deadliest attack on Jews in U.S. history. During Hanukkah, it's traditional for Jews to light the menorah and place it in the front window, symbolizing the hard-worn freedom of the Jewish people to practice their faith without fear of persecution. Displaying the Hanukkah menorah in the window is a time-honored tradition, said Dr. Stephen Baim, the American Jewish Committee's Director of Contemporary Jewish Life, the message is very inspiring, one for America as a whole, about religious freedom and tolerance, and Jews having the right to their fate. But with anti-Semitism, anti-Jewism on the rise, the Deseret News talked uh, to more than 50 Jews around the world. I got this from, from Deseret News, uh, Desert News, Deseret News. This is where the article comes from. So Deseret News, they talked to more than 50 Jews around the world, from the U.S. to Israel to the U.K., about whether they'll put a menorah in the window this year. Several Jews told the Desert News that, like Crane, they wouldn't be putting a menorah in their window this year due to fear for their own safety of the, and that of their family. Some asked the news to identify them only by their first names out of concern that they could be targeted. Because of chilled childhood and young adult experiences, as well as fear for my family, I hide my Hanukkah decorations, said a 33-year-old Stephen who lives in the San Francisco Bay Area. You can only see them from the inside. I even strategically block line of sight from the windows. We normally put on an electric menorah right on the house every year, but for the last two years I've been afraid to do so, said Brenda Clavero, a 64-year-old in Union, New Jersey. My concern is that my grandchildren will be here and could suffer from an anti-Jewish attack on my home. Colby, who lives with his family in Oregon, agreed. I have never... Not ever done so, and probably won't start this year. I've never felt comfortable publicly sharing my Judaism, especially around the holidays. Anti-Jewism has been part of my world since birth, he told Desert News. Abigail Esman, a 59-year-old journalist, says she splits her time between New York and the Netherlands for work. When she's in New York, she feels completely safe, she said. But Holland is a different story. I would feel uncomfortable with my neighbors looking at me, with my menorah in the window, and knowing I'm a Jew, said Esmond. I would be afraid of being attacked in the streets, throwing stones in my window, having my house set on fire. 
Now, some Jews expressed fear, but said that rising anti-Jewism has actually made them more committed to putting a menorah in their window this year. I am definitely more afraid to put my menorah in my window than I, uh, than I ever have been before, said Michael, a 33-year-old graduate student in New Jersey. I will also definitely put it in the window. Jonathan Reutenberg, who's 23 years old, lives with his family in Ottawa, Canada. He agreed. We light our Hanukkah candles near the window because of a traditional Jewish custom of publicizing the miracle that the candles stand for, said Reutenberg. We will not allow hatred to deter us from taking pride in our heritage and who we are. It's more important than that ever for me to place our menorah in a visible spot, said Matt, a 32-year-old based in Minneapolis, Minnesota. I want my daughter to celebrate Judaism, to be proud of our heritage and traditions, not to be afraid and to hide who we are. Others say they feel strongly that America is a very safe place to be Jewish and that they feel completely comfortable putting a menorah in their window. They emphasize that Jews should not be seen as helpless victims and that many Jewish communities have taken steps in recent years to fortify their synagogues against such attacks. For the life of me, I don't understand this, said Mike Goodspeed in New York City. I live in Brooklyn, the home to all the anti-Jewish violence. Not only am I not afraid, I'll be attending a ton of large public lightings at a menorah. I'm openly Jewish and never been afraid to show it, he said. Rabbi Avremel Zippel, the program director for Chabad Lubavitch of Utah, said he'll be putting a menorah in his window this year, like every year before. In fact, he hosts an annual event in Salt Lake City called Jewish Heritage Night with the Utah Jazz, in which he lights a menorah on the court during halftime at a basketball game in front of more than 18,000 spectators. We have a choice to go away quietly and to give in to the hateful influences around us, said Rabbi Zippel, who's 28 years old. Or we could be like the Maccabees and decide to light our menorahs more proudly than ever and see to it that just as the flame of Hanukkah burned through thousands of years of Jewish history under tremendous persecution, it will burn just as strong and even stronger today. The Desert News also heard from several non-Jewish Jews who said that they were planning on putting menorahs in their windows in solidarity with the Jewish people. I'm not Jewish, but I'll be celebrating Hanukkah in my house in solidarity with the Jewish community. I had mixed feelings about putting a menorah in my window, but whatever persecutions the Jewish people suffer, they don't suffer it alone. And neither would I, said Daniel Anspa, a 33-year-old who lives in Fresno, Texas. There's historical precedence for this. In 1993, in Billings, Montana, a series of anti-Jewish incidents culminated in a brick being thrown through the bedroom window of Isaac Schnitzer, a five-year-old Jewish boy who displayed a drawing of a Hanukkah menorah in his bedroom window. His mother reported the incident to the local paper, which printed a paper menorah along with an editorial urging people of all faiths to display the menorah in their window in solidarity with the Schnitzer family and the Jewish people. Vandals broke the windows in some houses and businesses who displayed the paper menorahs, but people continued to display them. Rick Smith, store manager of Universal Aesthetics, posted a message on his signboard saying, Not in our town. No hate, no violence. Peace on earth. While the events in Montana made national news and were widely celebrated as powerful examples of interfaith solidarity, some Jews say that non-Jews putting menorahs in their, in their windows would make them feel uncomfortable. Stephen from the Bay Area said that while the gesture may be well-intended, the idea of non-Jewish appropriating a Jewish tradition as their own does not sit right with them. It would be better if they could just hang signs of support and come out on Hanukkah events and, uh, as allies, he said. Rabbi Levi Welton, who's 36, of New York City, agreed. I believe having a non-religious symbol to express solidarity would be more inclusive 
and better suited to unite people of all religions and no religions, he said. But Crane, back in San Diego, said the gesture of support from non-Jews would make her wife feel safer in the neighborhood. It would be nice to feel safer and to not be the only Jews presenting for miles. I hope they research and learn a lot about the holidays and Judaism in the process, she said. Everybody should take time to experience Hanukkah. Crane said she looks forward to lighting the menorah with her wife this year, but she'll do so in the privacy of her living room, shrouded from public view. But she hopes many of you one day, perhaps, when she has children of her own, she'll feel safe enough to light the menorah and place it proudly in their family's front window. What a sad story. How horrific is it that people are afraid to to display public signs of Judaism. How horrific is it that Jews in 2000 and almost 20, 2000 almost 20 could say that I feel I feel very uncomfortable putting up anything Jewish or showing any signs of my Judaism because I'm afraid people will break my windows and attack my house right in the middle of the United States of America. How scary is that? So the rabbi who lights the candles on the court during a basketball game in Utah, he's a Maccabee. If all the Jews in Utah were afraid, are afraid to put menorahs in their windows, and he goes out and he lights the candles during halftime of a basketball game in front of 18,000 people who aren't necessarily Jewish, then he is a Maccabee. one 877 is the number to call. one 877 1292 I'm Howie Silberger. This is the Howie Silberger Show right here on the True Talk Radio Network. Feel free to call in. one 877 The question is, do you, who do you feel is a Maccabee today? Who would you consider a Maccabee? Uh, I, I don't know. I, I'm thinking about it. I'm, I'm still not sure. I, I think that rabbi in Utah... I would consider that rabbi in Utah a Maccabee. But who would you consider a Maccabee? Who else would you consider a Maccabee? one 669 1292 That's one 669 1292 It's interesting that, um, that people are afraid to put up Jewish symbols. They're afraid to wear their yarmulkes. They're afraid to, to, to be Jewish. And we shouldn't be living like that. Not in 2019, 2020. We really shouldn't be living like that. We shouldn't have to be hiding the fact that we're Jewish. This is, this is ridiculous. It's insane. Now, are people being too sensitive? Are we living in a snowflake world? That's quite possible that it's a snowflake world. But it's crazy that people are saying that they are not going to hang up their menorahs, they're not going to put their menorahs in their windows. It's absolutely insane. So, here we are. Hanukkah time. And 
it's 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 almost disgraceful that people are are acting like this. But should we should we accept it? Should we just say, you know what, Jews have never had it easy, and because we've never had it easy, we should accept the fact that people are afraid, and if people are afraid, we should uh, we should just give in to our fear. Is that what we should be doing? I don't know. I'm not so sure about that. One eight seven seven six six nine one two nine two. I'm Howie Silberger. This is the Howie Silberger Show, right here on the True Talk Radio Network. We'll take a little break when we come back. The Howie Silberger Show continues right here on TrueTalkRadio.com. Feel free to call in. One eight seven seven six six nine one two nine two. Goodbye, brother dear. Though I never knew you so well, you had a grace all to yourself that those around you fell. We all stopped and listened when you whispered your melody. You were my holy brother, you were reaching out to me. And it seems to me you lived your life like a candle in the night With the melodies and the stories that still shine so bright And that's how we got to know you, the sweetest of them all Candle burns bright in our hearts, a legend evermore up your home and your heart to all who came to see the man who went around the world and how the legend came to be let your people singing and to this day your songs don't skip a beat we see them as more than musical mama's sweetest of the sweet me, you lived your life like a candle in the night, with the melodies and the stories that still shine so bright, and that's how we got to know you, the sweetest of them all, the candle burns bright in our hearts, a legend evermore. I never knew you so well You had a grace all to yourself But those around you fell Goodbye, Rebbe Shlomo From the young and also from the old Our children have learned to love you too From the stories they've been told And it seems to me like a candle in the night With the melodies 
to the Howie Silbiger Show on the True Talk Radio Network. Talk to Howie. Call 1-877-669-1292. I am pleased to welcome uh, to, the, to the microphones, to the, uh, to the, to the show, uh, somebody who's been on the show for, uh, well, as far back as I can remember. His name is Mark David. He is my intrepid reporter from Toronto. Hi, hello, Mark David. How are you? Good evening, Howie. Doing well. How about yourself? I am excellent. Thank you so much. Yeah. So good Mark, to be here, and a very happy first night of Hanukkah to you and everyone else out there in Radio Land. Thank you so much. Uh, the big question I have for you, Mark, and this is the question I've been asking uh, all evening, is, uh, is who would you consider a Maccabee today? So I guess you still don't have your own answer to that question yet, right? I do not have my own answer to that question. It's, it is a tough question. I've been listening to the show, and uh, yes, I had to think a little bit myself about who's a Maccabee, who, who best personifies that role, that name. And I had to do some thinking, but I, I believe I met someone who could qualify, or rather listened to someone who could qualify as such oh, yeah, who? Uh, a month or two ago. He was a guest speaker at a dinner I was attending at a show here in Toronto, and his name is Rami Sherman. If that name is not familiar to you, he is he's a very important guy. He was involved in the uh, the Entebbe raid. I remember, I remember you told me. You did tell us about this uh, a couple of weeks ago. That's right, yeah. So I, I had a chance to hear him recount the story in amazing detail about the Entebbe raid and his experience. I believe that was called Project Thunderbolt. Amazing. Correct me if I'm wrong. And he was under the command, of course, of the late Yoni Netanyahu. And he told his story, and I thought about him, like, who is a Maccabee? Who is someone I can think of that could be a Maccabee? And because of what he did, brave, heroic efforts, I thought, maybe Rami Sherman could be a Maccabee. A uh, modern-day Maccabee. Well, I, I think he qualifies for sure. Yeah. Who, who else would you consider a Maccabee? Is there anybody else that comes to mind? Not offhand, but I, I, I know thought, we've had uh, this. I know we've had this conversation for probably eleven or twelve years already. Every, we have every Hanukkah, and, uh, and each year you struggle to answer the question yourself. I can't answer and, the uh, question. Even this year, I'm I'm having a problem answering the question because nobody I, you can think of. There aren't very many people out there who are doing anything that's worth that that's worthy of of, of the of the title Maccabee. That's that's the problem well, I have. I thought of someone else just as you were saying that. And I know we've had uh, members of this group on the show before, one in particular. Maybe the Jewish Defense League, they're sort of modern-day Maccabees. What do you think about that? So they, they are fighting the, the good fight. Yes, they are. And, uh, and, and they do get maligned a lot by the, uh, by the lefty Jewish community. Yes, they do. Uh, rightfully or wrongly, and mostly wrongly. I mean, uh, this, whole, this whole situation at York University. And, yes, I heard about it. I know we haven't talked about it at all on the show, but we should. We should really be talking about it. Where, uh, where 
a Jewish speaker came to campus and was interrupted by Arabs, which happens quite a lot right across North America. Uh, but in this case here, it, be, it got violent. The, the situation got violent, and the people who were blamed for the violence were, of course, the Jewish people, not, uh, not the Arabs who caused the violence. And the Jewish group on campus was suspended from, uh, from being on campus, which is, which, which is, which is outrageous. And the Jewish that doesn't def- make any sense to me. And the Jewish Defense League was, of course, blamed for the whole thing, right? So, um, whereas they, where I don't even think they were involved or even present, so how could they get blamed? Probably not, but they were they were blamed for the whole thing. So, so there you go. Well, it's, it's the same way that uh, I was blamed for a bunch of for a couple of students who, who uh, at Concordia University decided to uh, to interrupt the Arabs uh, anti-apartheid week, and I was blamed for that. Um, yeah, I wasn't. You, you as an individual were blamed for that. I was blamed for organizing it, although I had nothing to do with it. Uh, they blamed me for organizing it, and uh, it's funny how some of these people are very quick to point the finger, whereas sometimes the people they accuse are in no way involved. Uh, I was in no way involved in that in that in that particular um, uh, protest. I, I was no way involved. I haven't been there. I was there. But uh, that the, being yeah. there, being there doesn't make me involved in, uh, in in coordinating and organizing it. I mean, just because I was yeah, I there, mean, you could be just uh, could be just in attendance or lending your support or something. Doesn't mean you arranged it. Uh, I was there. Um, I happened to have a class that night at Concordia, and um, mm-hmm. and I went. Uh, I went to see what was going on, and uh, so I was there, and I ended up covering it for the Montreal Jewish News, which was uh, a legitimate site that I had, um, but. There you go. This is um, this is what was happening, right? Uh, mm-hmm. So uh, yeah, so you got you got to vote. Uh, <laughs> um, Jason messaged on Facebook. Mayor Levy Weinstein is a modern day Maccabee. He's the head of the Jewish Defense League in in Canada, and um, and also uh, Donald Trump. He said Donald Trump is also a uh, in Maccabee. So uh, do you agree with okay, Donald? Okay, what's the explanation for that? What's the explanation for Trump being in Maccabee? Uh, Meyer Weinstein, yes, he's been on this show before. We've heard him, um, you know, share many opinions with us, share many interesting stories. Yeah. But uh, what's the argument for Trump being a, mo- a modern-day Maccabee? This I'd be interested to hear about. My, my guess, uh, my guess for Trump is that he didn't move the the East, he didn't move the American embassy to to Jerusalem. That's true. He he uh, he, uh, he has been uh, pro-Jewish. His uh, you know he just. He just had a proclamation. He just he just signed an executive order, uh, trying to stop anti-Jewism on campus that's being uh, that's being masked as uh, as anti-Zionism by declaring the that's Jewish. Not, that's also very good. By declaring the Jewish people a nation, I mean we didn't need Donald yeah. Trump to declare the Jewish people a nation. We know we're a nation, but uh, mm-hmm. by Donald Trump doing that legally, uh, what he did was he, um, he he gave legal recourse to people on campus if they're being discriminated against because of their Israel support. Over being discriminated against because they're Jewish, right? So, um, so, so, there there were been incidents on campus where people were discriminated against because uh, because they're Jewish, but it was masked as Israel discrimination, as uh, you know, anti-Israel, but it was just because they were Jewish. So this um, this law, this this new law, this new decree that he passed, uh, stops that kind of uh, that kind of. Uh, Masking of, of of Jew hatred as anti-Israel, as anti-Israel rhetoric. So that's where I think uh, that's where I think Jason came up with Donald Trump. Uh, yeah, he just answered on Facebook. He says, "Yep, that's what it is." Okay, well, 
if you put it that way, I mean, again, I admit, and most of our listeners know this, not a big fan of Trump, but these are good reasons. He, the Republicans as a whole support the Jewish people. And to get that support, that confirmation that we as are a nation, of course, something we already know, we are a nation, the Jewish people, but to get that from one of the highest orders in elected office today, that certainly means something. Hey, look, uh, you could be a big fan of Trump or not a big fan of Trump, and that's 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 actually probably uh, as irrelevant as anything else uh, in this conversation. Um, yeah. The the idea that um, that Trump is all evil is 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 not a true idea. It's it's not really the truth. Trump is not all evil, and uh, there is good that Trump has done as president of the United States. Uh, he may be a pig, and he may be a lot of other things, and uh, you know nobody's going to argue the fact that Trump isn't a nice guy. He never no. was, and he's been around for years and years and years, and he's never been a nice guy. So to argue the point that Trump isn't a nice guy, okay, fine, he's not a nice guy. But you don't have to be a nice guy to be president. In fact, it's better if you're not a nice guy when you're president. Uh, Absolutely. So, so Trump not being a nice guy is not the, uh, is not the criteria of if he's a good president or not a good president. So hating him because he's a pig or hating him because he's, uh, he's anti-women or hating him because for a million and one other reasons that you'd want to hate Donald Trump, that's fine. You, you don't have to love the president. But we could admit that the president did do uh, – he, he committed the right move when he, when he recognized Judaism as a nation – and we, we have to admit that there are things that he's done for the United States people, for people in the United States, that, um, that have been good. I mean, he hasn't been a bad president for, for, for domestically for the people in the United States. As I understand it, uh, the employment rate is at an all-time high under Trump. And I thought he was just, you know, bloviating when he said that. But it turns out, no, it is true. It's actually true. Uh, yes. Unemployment's at an all-time low. Uh, unemployment's at an all-time low. Employment's at an all-time high. Uh, the economy is booming, and this yep. is not leftover from Obama. That's, that's all BS. That's all PRBS. This is Trump policies, Trump's actions at work, which is what's yep. causing people to go back to work, people to um, people to uh, to um, to to be making money. This is all Trump, and uh, nobody can take that away from him. You can impeach him all you want. You could call him whatever names in the world that you want to call him. It doesn't take away from the fact that he's been a good president of the United States. He has done some good for the United States. There's, there's no hiding that, and the proof is all out there. He might be a bit of a showman when he's saying it. Okay, yeah, I get fine. that. He wants to show off a little bit because he knows he's done something good, something right. But if you look at the numbers, the real information, the data, it's true. Every bit of it is true. Well, there's nothing wrong with a little bit of chest thumping when the chest thumping is um, is is warranted. I mean, I or justified see, for that matter. I, yes. I don't see a problem with chest thumping. I mean, if people want to uh, want to sell themselves and people want to uh, to blow up their egos, that's fine with me. I mean, why why not? Just do a good job. If you're a politician, do a good job, and you could chest thump all you want. That's fine. Help people, okay. save people, and uh, and and do and be a good person. That's all. That's it. Be a good politician, so, not a good person, a good politician. Because I don't care how yeah. good of a bad person you are. Be a good politician. Yeah. And in that respect, you know, the employment rate, economy, other things, it's doing fine. So there I you mean, go. Again, not a fan of the person, but if you look away, if you take that out of the equation, things are working. Yeah. That's what the American people need. And that's what they need and that's what they want. And uh, I'm, I'm very happy that that's what's happening. Of course. Nice to have a little prosperity. 
So, Mark David, you yes, have sir. for the last 11 or 12 years on this radio program. That is correct. Nearly, that is true. Nearly every week, you yeah. have given us a on-the-mark news report. That is true. And, uh, and Hanukkah is not going to be any different than any other time that we've been on the air together, where you are going to give us an on-the-mark news report, whether you're ready for it or not, Mark. Well, Howie, as you and our many listeners can attest to, what you see is what you get. And with me, you always know what you're going to get. And yes, that will include another installment of On the Mark, which I have prepared and ready to go. But the question is, are you ready to hear it? In, in just a minute, because uh, we have another suggestions, at least another two suggestions for uh, who could be Maccabees. And uh, keep oh, your suggestions okay. coming in. You could type them into the message boxes or you could call us. one 669 1292 is the number to call. If you want to call us, or you can type them into the uh, message boxes on YouTube, on Facebook, on Periscope. Uh, just type them into the message boxes, and they'll pop up my screen here. Uh, so Jason, once again, is, uh, is, is recommending Danny Danon at the UN. He is the American ambassador to the UN. Or former American ambassador to the UN, Nikki Haley. Uh, not bad suggestions there. And who could be not at all. Not bad at all. All right, Mark, let's, uh, let's go for an on-the-mark. You're going to have to do your own music again because uh, I'm just too lazy. And we appear to be operating on a budget. So, yes, uh, I'm well equipped to provide my own intro music. All right. Even though I've supplied you with a clip. But nevertheless, yes, yes, you have. The show yes. must, nevertheless, the show must go on. You see, you know why we can't play the clip? Because the commercial, because the music that you gave me is commercial music. And oh, since, is that right? And since we're now broadcasting on Facebook, YouTube, and Periscope, uh, if I play commercial music on the show, which is why I don't play the music, even the music I have permission for, I don't play. Uh, on, on the social networks. Uh, that's that's why, true. That's why you have the screen come up that says, uh, we're on break, we'll be back in a couple of minutes. I'm playing music on the stream because mm -hmm. uh, I have permission to play the music on the stream. But if I play it on the commercial networks, what happens is they will mute the rest of the show. Oh, boy. Oh, they'll you mute the whole show. And I really don't want them to mute us. So, um, so I'm not going to play, unless you have original music that we have permission to play, uh, I'm not going to play your music uh, to start off your segment because... Even three seconds of music will get us muted. Remember, oh, remember the universal music. Uh, yes, I incident. remember that well. We did run into a little bit of a problem with those guys. Uh, yeah, and we oh. ran into the problem simply because we played 12 seconds of a Beatles song. Oh. 12 seconds. I'm not sure who's more overzealous. Those guys are YouTube. Sometimes YouTube content creators run into that very same problem. Yeah, so fortunately, there are some YouTubers who've actually made music and sound effects that everybody can use in their videos. So I may look into some of that because that's royalty free. You're encouraged to use it. So I'm going to take a look at that. In the meantime, if I make my own music, you can use it whatever you want. Oh, thank you so much, Mark. And uh, the music we use to intro the Howie Silberger show and to go in and out of breaks is, mm -hmm. uh, is music that was designed, that was, that was, that was composed for us. In our That's studios right. that we recorded. So, mm -hmm. so nobody could argue with me that I stole the music from someone because I was there during the creative process. We are the music makers and we are the dreamers of dreams. That's the beginning of a very famous poem. I have no I'll read idea you the rest some, I'll read you the rest sometime. It's very interesting. Who wrote the poem? Uh, who wrote the poem? How about I tell you? Okay. Because it's a very good poem and I've referenced it a few times. We're the music. It actually is mentioned in, of all places, Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory, when oh, one I of the see. children questions 
Willy Wonka himself. It is by, it is called Ode, and it is by Arthur O'Shaughnessy. Huh. Why, why not read it now? No, oh, why not? All right, so now, so so we, we don't normally, um, well, we don't normally do this, but there's a lot of stuff on the show we don't normally do that we end up doing. Uh, now, a moment of poetry, right here on the Howie Silberger Show with Mark David. Thank you. Ode by Arthur O'Shaughnessy. I wish I had violin. We, I wish I had a violin with me. I yeah. Just, just like, you know, just. Maybe. Yeah. Maybe some like smooth jazz in the background. That's anyway. Right. Anyway. This isn't the poetry slam, but this is our answer to that. <laughs> we are the music makers and we are the dreamers of dreams. Wandering by lone sea breakers and sitting by desolate streams. Word losers, world losers and world forsakers on whom the pale moon gleams. Yet we are the movers and shakers of the world forever, it seems. With wonderful deathless ditties, we build up the world's great cities. And out of a fabulous story, we fashion an empire's glory. One man with the dream at pleasure shall go forth and conquer a crown, and three with a new song's measure and trample a kingdom down. We in the ages lying in the buried past of the earth, built Nineveh with our sighing, and Babel itself in our mirth, and o'erthrew them with prophesying to the old of the new world's worth. For each age is a dream that is dying, or one that is coming to birth. A breath of our inspiration is the life of each generation, a wondrous thing of our dreaming, unearthly impossible seeming. The soldier, the king, and the peasant are working together in one, till our dream shall become their present and their work in the world be done. They had no vision amazing of the goodly house they are raising. They had no divine foreshowing of the land to which they are going. But on one man's soul it hath broken, a light that doth not depart. And his look or word he hath spoken wroth flame in another man's heart. And therefore today is thrilling, with a past day's late fulfilling. And the multitudes are enlisted in the faith that their fathers resisted, and scorning the dream of tomorrow, are bringing to pass as they may, in the world for its joy or its sorrow, the dream that was scorned yesterday. But we, with our dreaming and singing, ceaseless and sorrow, sorrowless we, the glory about us clinging of the glorious futures we see, our souls with high music ringing, O oh, men, it must ever be that we dwell in our dreaming and singing, a little apart from ye. For we are afar with the dawning, and the suns that are not, not yet high. And out of the infinite morning, intrepid you hear us cry, how, spite of your human scorning, once more God's future draws nigh. And already go, goes forth the warning that ye of the past must die. Great hail, we cry to the comers, from the dazzling unknown shore, Bring us hither your sun and your summers, and renew our world as of yore. You shall teach us your songs new numbers, and the things that we dreamed not before. Yea, in spite of a dreamer who slumbers, and a singer who sings no more. That was, there you have it. That was wonderful. Thank you. All right, Thank we're, you. We're going to take a little break when we come back. Mark David and On The Mark, right here on the Howie Silberger Show, right here on the True Talk Radio Network. One eight seven seven six six nine one two nine two is the number to call. One eight seven seven six six nine one two nine two. Come to your rhythm. 
is the Howie Silbiger Show on the True Talk Radio Network. Call 1-877-669-1292. And welcome back to the True Talk Radio Network's Howie Silberger Show. My name is Howie Silberger. On the line with me is Mark David. He is my intrepid reporter and now new Poet Laureate of the Howie Silberger Show, right here on True Talk Radio. Uh, Mark, uh, congratulations on the new title. Thank you, thank you. Yes, um, I, uh, adding to the, uh, the already impressive uh, list of accolades I've got, I am now the Poet Laureate of this radio show, and I guess, in effect, uh, truetalkradio.com. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. I don't have another Poet Laureate on, this, on, the, on the network, so you got I'm to, thinking about uh, this, how job. maybe we can make... Well, thank you. I'm thinking maybe we could make this a regular, even semi-regular thing, because uh, you want to the read... Howie Silberger show is a is a is a patron of the arts. You want to read poetry on the Howie Silberger show? Regularly. I used to write my, you know, I used to write my own. I see. Okay. I wrote. Uh, I used to take like a word, like like say my name for instance, and make a poem out of that. Like put a like M-A-R-K, and then each line is a, each letter is a line or a single word. I am not sure how, I'm not sure how much our listenership would be uh, into hearing poetry every week. Well, maybe we'll just make it a once in a while thing, but nevertheless, I accept the title graciously. Uh, We could, we could, we could pull the listenership if you want. That's, that's always a good way to get feedback about things. We we could ask the listenership if, uh, if they want to hear poetry more often. I am willing, I'm willing to wager they're going to say no. I'm willing to bet you're right. But, but, uh, I mean, if you want, we could, we could put a poll up somewhere and, uh, and then try to, try to get some, some kind of consensus. Yeah. I mean, we've got our Facebook page, uh. Uh, for the Howie Silverger show. We All right, Mark. So uh, sure. so feel free to put a poll up on the Facebook page. You know how to do it. I'll get around to that, yeah. I help manage that page. By the way, uh, feel free to follow along. We're posting things about the show all the time. And that's also where you can find uh, our live stream, where uh, we're broadcasting right now. That's right. And, um, and it's a great place to find out if we're on the air, off the air, what's going on with the show. We have uh, all the information. Everything that you need to know about the Howie Silberger Show will be posted on the Facebook page. So, That's right. Uh, so give us a follow. It's as simple as clicking a button. So really, instead of messaging me, and like some people do that, they just message me and they say, are you on tonight? Instead of doing that, just check out the Facebook page. That's what it's there yeah. for. If I'm on, I will post it. If we're off, I will post it. There's a, you know, a plethora of information you can get from the Facebook page. You don't have to send me messages. I should mention, Howie, uh, yeah. speaking of being on and off, uh, I'm coming to Montreal again. Oh, good. Yeah, for uh, the holidays. Nice. Uh, this Wednesday, I'm going to be uh, be coming to town, so uh, maybe I'll see you. I am looking forward to seeing you. Yeah, it'd be nice. And maybe while you're in town, you might be able to come by the studio and we could do the show live. You know what? Uh, that would be very interesting. Uh, I'd welcome the opportunity to do that. Depends on what's going on with uh, family, but uh, we'll see. If I can do- make it, I will. All right, great. So uh, Mark David has a story for us before he has the on mark. He has a story for us that he wanted to share. Yes, absolutely. So, Howie, earlier in the show you were talking about the issues people were having with displaying their menorahs in the front windows of their homes. 
Right. So I'm not sure if our listeners know, but I live in a basement apartment, which I've dubbed the York Hill Theater. And I have windows, but they're very small and they don't exactly look out onto the street. So you may be wondering what's a person in that situation to do when they're lighting a menorah for Hanukkah. So I've got my own solution to this. Yeah. What, What are you doing? So here's what I do. I like the menorah as anyone else would. And I use Instagram as my window. I'll take a picture of my menorah with the candles and Instagram becomes my virtual window. Also, the post will end up on Facebook too, so that everyone can see my menorah. Cool. And I mentioned this to a rabbi friend of mine. He thought it was brilliant. It is a great idea. I like the idea. It is. I've been doing it every year since I've had Instagram. So if you want to follow along and see how that looks, uh, at Mark E. David 7 on Instagram. Uh, it's Mark with a K. So there were, and, uh, there, were seven, there were six other Mark E. Davids before you? There may have been. I just happened to like the number seven. Oh, okay. Okay. I was just curious because yeah. it seemed awfully weird that you would have number seven for Mark E. David. Yeah. I'm sure there, there, there may be others out there. And if there are, what's up, guys? Hope you're doing well. Um, but I, I, I like the number seven, and it looked good there, so I put it up. All right, so let's uh, let's get on with the um, with the on the mark. Yes, of course, with our amazing theme music written by me, so we can avoid the legal loopholes. That's there right. A little something like this. Dun, 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 dun. This is on the mark for December twenty first, two thousand nineteen. <sighs> I'm Mark David, and here comes the news. That's so funny. We've all heard, yeah, I know, right? We've all heard stories of emotional support animals, or ESAs for short. These special animals help to alleviate a symptom or effect of a person's disability. The animal of choice is usually something conventional, like a cat or a dog. But one man in Iowa has a very different type of ESA, and he's howling at the local authorities to be able to keep it. The Huffington Post reports that Matthew Stokes of Waterloo, Iowa, is often seen accompanied by Drifter, a coyote pup who he says is a dog in a coyote's body. Drifter was an orphaned pup looking for a pack, and Stokes effectively became his pack. When Drifter first arrived on Stokes' property, Stokes was suffering from a bone infection in his foot. Stokes gave the abandoned coyote a home and received Drifter's affection in return, which he said aided his recovery process while also helping to manage his depression and anxiety. Unfortunately, Drifter was later apprehended by a neighbor and brought to a wildlife sanctuary. This is not an emotional support animal. This is a wild coyote that he took out of the wild and decided to make a pet, said Tracy Bell, director of Wild Thunder Wildlife and Animal Rehabilitation Sanctuary. Stokes later obtained a letter from his physician stating that Drifter is an emotional support animal. He is currently in the process of applying for a U.S. Department of Agriculture license to keep a dangerous animal, he said. He's also studying a provision of Iowa law that will let him keep Drifter as an educational animal. While it's nice to hear that this coyote pup aided this man's recovery from a serious illness, Drifter is still young, and when his predatory instincts kicked in as he gets older, that could spell trouble. Yeah. Yeah, he's still a wild animal. He is a wild animal. He's young right now. He's growing. But once he gets older, you know, that that could lead to trouble. Yeah, I hope not, because uh, for the guy's sake, I hope not, but um, you never know. Yeah. With if what? you're going to get an emotional support animal, stick to like a cat or a dog. Those are usually fine. Yeah, or an alligator. 
I think someone once had an emotional support bird, and I think specifically it was a chicken. <laughs> there was a um, there was an alligator that ran loose in Montreal this week. I heard about that. I saw that, and I'm like, how the hell did an alligator get to Montreal of all places? <laughs> and some guy just walked so, up. Some guy just walked up, picked him up, and carried him to his car. I was just like, okay. <laughs> yeah, I wonder what was up with that. I'm like, Montreal's the last place on earth I'd expect to see an alligator. Really? Montreal's not Florida. Florida is where the alligators. So, are. so you 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 you've never been to the Montreal swamps? You've never been we to have the swamps? Of, I don't think so. You've never I mean, been to the Montreal? Never been to Montreal Everglades? Well, uh, is that out <laughs> in the uh, the East End or something or the West End? <laughs> They don't exist, Mark, because alligators aren't natives to Canada. Absolutely, they're not. Unless they're in like a zoo or something. Yeah, it's a little cold. That's when they're in the captivity. A little cold in Canada for alligators. Just a bit. Just a tad. A smidgen. Just a tad. Yeah. A smidgen. Although it's supposed to, although uh, weather report, it's supposed to be plus seven in Toronto tomorrow. Yeah, but even plus seven, I mean, that's that's kind of cold. That for, is pretty cold for for an alligator. But for this time. I, for an alligator, but for this time of year, for humans, it's great. Yeah, but for an alligator, it's kind of cold. Indeed, it is. So, I mean, I, I probably would not be um, would not be uh, hosting an alligator anytime in the near future. No, I I doubt I'd be doing that myself, and I'm sure many of our listeners would not be interested in doing that either. No. All right, what's your next story, Mark? Our next story. The elf on the shelf is a popular Christmas gimmick in which a small stuffed elf sits on a shelf and acts as a sentry for Santa Claus. The story is that the elf watches over children and communicates their behavior to jolly old St. Nick. A Jewish version called the Mensch on the Bench also exists. Over the years, there have been many photos shared across social media depicting the elf causing all kinds of mischief. One recent example may have taken the joke a bit too far. A mother named Amanda in Swansea, England, shaved the word elf into the back of her daughter's head while she was asleep, and then staged the elf nearby with the clippers in hand. The goal of this prank was to ensure the child remained well-behaved for the next three years. Folks, there are far less physically and emotionally damaging ways of getting your kids to listen to you and behave properly. Please don't subject your children to this kind of treatment. Thank you. Whoa, <laughs> one second. I'm sorry, I don't yeah. mean to laugh, but it's 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 kind of insane. It's it's kind of crazy. So, there's a few things to unpack here, and so, there's photo evidence of that too. So the mother, wait, 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 wait. So so the mother went and she shaved the word elf. How old was the kid? Do yeah. we know? I think six. So the mother went and shaved the word elf into her six-year-old daughter's head. Yeah, and then took and the then clippers. And put them into a stuffed elf, and and blamed it on the stuffed animal. Yeah, that's right. You got it. Was this in Florida? I'll let you. No, it was in England. Oh, that sounds so much like a Florida story. I mean, I, 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 doesn't it? If I, if I closed my eyes and you told me the story, and I didn't know where it was from, I would say a hundred percent Florida. Nope, it was a mother in England who did that to her child. That's so terrible. It's so that'll leave emotional scars. I mean, that's, that's girls really, really most of the time, but not always, have longer hair, and to shave off most of that kid's hair and and shave a word into their head just to get them to behave. I'm sorry. Some people might would say that our borders on child abuse, but 
I'm not a I'm not an expert in the matter. Yeah, I'm not an expert either, but I, I would say that that's not normal behavior. No, uh, there are better ways to get your children to behave and listen to you. And uh, please, for the love of God, don't do that to your kids. Thanks. All right. What else do you have? Yeah. Well, uh, On the Mark is committed to helping you win with words. Our word of the week is mitochism, a noun whose definition is excessive or wrong use of the sound of the letter M. Use it in a sentence today and impress your friends with your whimsical word knowledge. What? <laughs> Have you ever been in a situation where you or someone else uh, did not use the sound of the letter M properly. Well, guess what? No, no, I've never, There's a word that means that. I don't think I've ever been in that situation. Like, like, like um, give me an example of not pronouncing the word M properly. Uh, um, using the sound of the word M properly. Jeez. Well, <laughs> let's see. My name starts with an M. So if I called so, you Ark. Yeah, you could call me Nark. Nark. There you go. But then I would using be using the... They would be using the word the, the 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 sound for the letter N properly. Yes, and also narc is a word. It's short for a narcotics cop, right? You know? So, um, yeah, um, there's an example of mitochism, uh, which again is I see. excessive or wrong use of the sound of the letter M. Where, where do you find these words? <laughs> this actually came from uh, Merriam-Webster, I believe. Mitochism. Yeah, these are words you need to know. Well, definitely or, need to know them, yeah. My goal is to make the world a little <laughs> bit smarter, one news report at a time. Oh, yeah, and, it's working, uh, Mark, it's working. So It's working, you know, Mark, it's working. When you listen to this report, if you become smarter afterwards, even by 0.1%, then I've done my job. Yes, Fark, you have done your job. I, I am proud of you. Thank you, Sowie. <laughs> uh... This week's random.org random five-digit number is actually a palindrome, 91119. 91119. That number could come in handy in some way, so write it down and don't forget it. That number is, again, is 91119. 91119. Yes, two nines and three ones. All right. It's a nine sandwich with three ones as a filling. Well, that works for me if it works for you. If it works for me. And it works for you. Definitely works for me. There you go. That's it for this week. Until next time, this is Mark David wishing you good night and good news. Good night and good news. That is um, that is a great sign-off. Uh, where did I hear that before? Who would you steal that from? Made it up. Oh. You mean you didn't steal that good from night. somebody? No. I, I thought, you know, good night because we are on at night. And good news because I want good news for everyone. I like it. I like it. Just it just made sense. I like but it. I do wish for good news for all of you, all of our listeners, and of course you as well, Howie, and for myself. Oh, I thank you, Mark. In, uh, in 2020, which is coming up, I may not be a person with 2020 vision, but I got a good vision for 2020. Well, Kark, I think you're right. I think 2020 is going to be a great year. I hope so. Brand new decade. You know what? I thought of an idea. Since a lot of it's not a, a lark. lot of websites, TV shows, it's really not a lark. What's that? It's really not a lark. We we really want a good year. Of course, we do want a good year and a good decade too. Our, this is uh, the end of one decade, the beginning of another. Hark! Look I at thought, that! You know, Hark! Look at that! It's the end of a decade. Oh no! That's right. 
That's right, Zowie. And um, I thought maybe we could maybe discuss some of our favorite moments on the show over the past decade. Sure, why not? <laughs> All right. It's been on for longer than that. But, the show, yeah. The show has been on for two decades, but the last decade has been the fun decade. You know, I'll tell I'll tell you something. I okay. was talking so, with my friend about so, the so you've been on for eleven years. You've been, one second, one second. you've been on for eleven years. On this show, right now, yes. you this going into your twelfth year on the show. Um, That's right. That is that is uh, that is more than half your life. Or well, well it's pro- a third of my it's life. a third of your life. It's not half your life. You're a little older than that, but it's a third of your life. Yeah. That's a long time to be doing this show. I've been doing the show more long than half of be- more than half of my life. You've been doing the show a third of your life. Now uh, it's, it's a long time to be doing anything in general, really. It's true. All right, so here's the question. Yeah. Um, yeah. Okay, so so you wanted to talk about the um, your favorite moments on the show. So so what would sure. you consider your favorite moment on the show? Eleven years on the show, almost twelve years now. What was your favorite moment on this show? Where to begin? Well, because <laughs> things can happen. In there, it. there has been a lot over the years. We've we've done a lot, a lot of things can happen in a in a decade, and we have a lot of these things recorded, and we've played them at various uh, times, uh, for one reason or another. <laughs> but I think my favorite moment, and this is something that made us all laugh, is when I did ads for the show that that were parodies of popular songs, and then I had to sing them, and we <laughs> did most of them in one take, and then afterwards we would just laugh our heads off as we put them into the system to be broadcast immediately afterwards so that was your really favorite show moment one of my favorite show moments. out of all the, uh, the years other... that we've been here that's that, that was your favorite stuff i mean that was fun don't well, get me wrong but there's been a lot of really crazy stuff that's happened on the show it's it's hard to pick a favorite and yes a lot of crazy bizarre things have happened on this show that's that's one of my favorites another ah. one was when when we decided to have a sports section on on the mark and follow a uh, little league baseball team in a small town in Massachusetts oh, yes. and uh, follow their progress throughout the season. And at the end of it all, we got, uh, we got an interview live on the air with the manager of the team. And he was a really good sport about it. John Moulton, his name, uh, shout out to John Moulton. If you're listening, um, you actually remember the was, guy's name. I couldn't for the life I remember do, yeah. his name, but you remember his name. Okay. It was just such a crazy thing. You can't help but remember it. And I know we've talked about this a dozen times, if not more. I've right? never replayed the clip because I don't know what month it happened in, and I'm not going through 11 years of archives to find it. So. I think it was sometime in the summer or fall. But anyway, yeah, it would take us forever to find the clip. But, yes, it was a very memorable moment. And that was another moment where we got off the air and we just looked at each other and just burst out laughing. Can't believe we did that. I mean, you came up to me and said, see if you can find the guy. I'm, I'm like, seriously? I'm like, yeah, so... I put it together and we did it. <laughs> now, now imagine how the guy felt. Here, a random radio station from Montreal, is yeah, calling, in Canada, Canada is calling him about the little league team that he coaches with his eight-year-old daughter on it. Yeah, <laughs> that's right. And uh, yeah, uh, but funny. you know, he he was a really good sport about it. So uh, we give him a tip of the hat for that. He was awfully confused. That's for sure. He was. He was extremely confused that. A talk radio show in Montreal, Canada, had been following his team. A talk radio show that, by the way, is not even about sports. That's right. It's not even a sports show. A talk I, radio show. And even if it was a sports show. On a Jewish radio station. Yeah. Even if it was a sports show, Mark. Even if it was. 
it would still be pretty bizarre. It, 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 but the fact that it's not makes it even makes it even better. True, true, very true. I, I, of the three of us who are usually here on the show, I'm the only sports fan. Sheldon isn't. You definitely aren't, and nope. you've uh, mentioned this frequently. No, not at all. Not even a little bit. Yeah, we covered unusual sports on the show, aside from Little League Baseball. Yeah, no, it was, uh, uh, was under, uh, underwater chess, uh, chess boxing. That's right. Chess boxing, yeah, where you can win by checkmate or TKO. Yeah. And um, underwater uh, hockey. Underwater hockey, the underwater hockey league, yeah. Which, which is a thing. And uh, we also used to give a weather report, giving weather from places you've never heard of but actually exist. That's right. Uh, basically, I had to comb through the... Uh, various pages of the Weather Network's website and find weather reports for places that literally no one has ever heard of. Uh, that was fun. <laughs> yeah, we've done a lot of bizarre stuff on this show. Um, but yeah. Some, but some of the stuff we've done on the show has been actually uh, not bizarre and has actually helped the community. We took on uh, We took on Federation and we saved the Jewish school system. We took on... Uh, we took on the Y. We lost that battle. The Y opening on sh- on Shabbat on on Saturdays. We took on the Y. Yeah. Uh, we've done a lot of very important things. My favorite thing, though, uh, the, my favorite thing mm-hmm. that, that that sticks out. You know, when I when I think about all the stuff that we've done. Uh, sure, the Y thing was important, and the Federation fighting Federation to keep the um, to keep the schools uh, Jewish was important, and fighting Bialik to keep Bialik Jewish was important. But but out of all the things that uh, that really stick yes. out was um, Tel Aviv University. So uh, no, I'm sorry, Haifa. It was Haifa University. So right. um, uh, they they had a they they had a, a gal of some sort uh, years ago, five maybe ten twelve years ago, and uh, the gala's banquet at the end of the gala was not going to be kosher. And uh, our listenership is a very militant listenership. And um, I don't really have to rally them to get up and do something before they get up and do something. So um, I got onto the show that night and I said, listen, I said, um, you know, this university is having their, um, Haifa University is having this event. It's coming up and their event is not going to be kosher. And the Consul General of Israel is going to be there. And I think it's inappropriate for the Consul General to show up at an event uh, put on by a Israeli university that's not kosher. You know, if we're going to be a Jewish state, we have to be Jewish and we have to um, and we have to we have to abide by some of the Jewish traditions. So, how much more expensive, how much harder would it be to have a kosher event? And by not having it, you're basically saying we don't care that we're a Jewish state, we don't care that we're a university in a Jewish state and the heck with Jews. And I left it at that and I went on and did the rest of the show about something else. The next day, the uh, executive director of, um, of Haifa University shows up at the radio station. He actually physically shows up at the radio station and asks Robert Levy, the president of the station, to tell me to stop talking about the university because he can't get any work done. He's getting so many phone calls. And that, that really stuck, oh, to, that really stuck out on me. Because, I mean, was that? it was just it was just in passing. I mean, I, I, I barely spent two minutes talking about it. And he got so many calls, he actually got off his butt and we came down to the station to tell the station to tell me to shut up. I don't remember what year it was. It was uh, maybe, maybe 10 years ago, maybe 11 years ago. Um, <clears throat> and, um, and they changed their event to a kosher event after that. So we 
because of things we said, positive change occurred. That's very good. That's very powerful. Yeah, so we had a pretty powerful show until uh, until we left the station and, and ended up online. Our show is still pretty powerful, but we don't wield the same kind of um, influence that we did when we were on AM. Uh, we wield a different kind of influence. You know, the, the people who listen to this show are militant people too, and they go out and they do stuff. So if we tell them to do something, or we say that we want them to do something, uh, we can't tell anybody to do anything. You know, we're not, we're, we're not, we're, we, don't, we don't do we that. We don't have that kind of power. That's right. <laughs> But uh, if we if we uh, suggest that things be done, uh, people people who listen to the show actually go and do them. They take action. That's right. I know when our show left its original home, people were coming up to me because they knew me from the show and say, "Hey, where, where's the radio station? I, I don't hear it anymore. I don't hear the show." And I said, "Well, a very ironic thing happened. The radio station went from Jewish to Christian." Yeah, so weird. And uh, it is very weird, which some of them thought was funny. But no, I said it's the truth, and it happened on, of all days, April 1st, 2016. Yeah, even weirder. Yeah. Uh, uh, so, uh, and then people thought I was joking, but no, it, it's not an April Fool's joke. That's what actually happened. And, uh, you know, we always had truetalkradio.com, and so that's where we ended up. And we kept the show going unchanged. We It's still us doing the show, talking about the same things, and of course... Interacting with you, our listeners. That's right. So we have an 800 number, and uh, you can always feel free to use it anytime during the show. All right, Mark, that's it. We're, we're pretty much out of time. Well, okay. Thank, thank you for coming on. I appreciate it. I, I really, uh, and I know we were running a little late today, so thank you for being patient and coming on when we, uh, when we started up and we, uh, we finally got the show running. I appreciate Howie, it. Howie, it's my pleasure. Um, and uh, I don't know if this is our last broadcast of the year, but if it is, I wish you and everyone else a uh, happy Hanukkah and a happy New Year as well. Uh, thank you. And to you, uh, I, I'm pretty sure I'll be on again on Wednesday, maybe on Thursday, okay. Wednesday, Thursday. But, uh, but I mean, you're welcome to join me if you want. And uh, I'm thinking of maybe, maybe, just maybe, uh, getting on during the holiday, during, uh, during the, the non-Jewish holidays. Maybe coming on maybe Wednesday. That's the uh, that's the day of the holiday, and doing a show because there are a lot of lonely people out there, and maybe they need our company. So if you're well, around, that's very if you're around and you and you want to join us on uh, on Wednesday, I mean you're more than welcome, Mark. You know because uh, there are a lot of lonely people out there, and maybe maybe they just need the company. So I'll be traveling and spending time with family. I'm actually traveling to Montreal, as I said earlier in the show, but. Uh, if I could make it on the show while I'm in town, uh, and I always have this long-standing offer, if I could make it on the show while I'm in town, I'd be happy to do it. All right. Thank you so much, Mark. Thank you for listening. Thank you for watching. And we will be back again. At least I will be back again on uh, Wednesday or Thursday. I'm not sure which one today, which one yet. Uh, right here on True Talk Radio. Watch the... Uh, uh, watch. Keep your eyes on True Talk... On, uh, yeah, English, right? You, know, you get to the end of the show, and then suddenly your English just goes bye-bye. Um, watch... Uh, what am I trying to say, Mark? You're trying to tell our listeners to watch our Facebook page for more information, which there you can you follow on Facebook, and also, um, you know, how we will let you guys know if if we're broadcasting or not and when. That's exactly what I was trying to say. Thank you, Mark, for putting the words into my mouth because I couldn't. And uh, don't forget to support us. We've been us. working together for so long we can finish each other's sentences. Don't, don't forget to support us on Patreon. Patreon.com slash H-O-W-I-E-S. Patreon.com slash H-O-W-I-E-S. Uh, we could use the help. We could use the support. 
Thank you so much. We'll see you again uh, later on in the week. I'm Howie Silberger. He's Mark David. This is the Howie Silberger Show on the True Talk Radio Network.
I'm Peter Anthony Holder. I'm just one of the talkers here on TrueTalkRadio.com, the only place to be.